Hi everyone, welcome to the Student Lawyers podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. This podcast is produced by Feed Ignite. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast. My name's Camilla and I'm a law graduate who's currently going through the process of applying for training contracts. Today's episode is going to be focused on providing tips on how to develop your commercial awareness. It is well known that many employers in the legal sector are looking for candidates that are commercially aware, but it's not always clear, at least from my experience, where to start when you're on the quest to becoming commercially aware. There's no book in the library that you can take out that will give you the answers. So to help us out today, we've invited Peter Watson from Watson's Daily, who has kindly offered to share his wisdom with us. Peter writes a daily weekly newsletter, which is a roundup of all the important commercial news stories and something that I've personally been reading since last summer when I found it really um, helpful for preparing for the aspiring solicitors commercial awareness competition. So welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast, Peter. Thank you for taking time to speak to us today. No problem. No problem. Thank you for inviting me. That's all right. Um, thank you for taking the time to, to speak with us. Um, before we get started, would you mind telling us a little bit about your background? Yep, certainly. So um, my, actually, in terms of academics, I did law and Japanese many years ago at Cardiff University. Since I graduated, I guess my career can be divided into two. Um, one is the um, recruitment a- aspect uh, and the other is the stockbroking aspect. So actually, let's start with the stockbroking first, because that's the most relevant for for, uh, uh, for commercial awareness. So um, I was a stockbroker for four different investment banks um, over 13 years. And I advised some of the world's biggest financial institutions on what stocks to buy and sell on the UK, European and Japanese stock markets. So that was my, and and, uh, that was done in, yes, London and Tokyo. Yeah, I got the same training as anyone who um, had come from an economics background. Um, So what that comprised of was um, I did a a lot of training with the um, research department. So the research department was split um, into all the different sectors of, of the economy. Um, and it had teams covering all the, you know, like banks or insurance, uh, retail, tele- you know, telecoms, all that sort of stuff. So spent, um, I had to meet all of the analysts and they went through everything. So all the, you know, what the main companies were, the markets, what things to watch out for, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So we did right. that. And then we did um, a training with the economists as well. Um, so we had lots of ex-Bank of England economists who, you know, talk, talk to us about, you know, things like the interest rates and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then also the strategists as well, um, whose job it was to... Not to just, um, uh, you know, say recommend buying Glaxo, Smith Klein, and uh, and selling Lloyd's Bank or something, but they their job was to actually look at on a sector by sector base, so to buy pharmaceuticals and sell banks or whatever. So that was really, you know, that's we all did that, it, no matter whether what background you came from. Um, but then 
in terms of the more knowledge enhancements, I learned a lot from my clients as well. Um, because many of them had, had been covering these markets for decades and I'd only been covering them for, you know, a matter of weeks or whatever initially. Uh, and I had to come up with ideas that would persuade them to buy or sell certain stocks. And I uh, had to use the uh, research that was generated um, by the uh, by the analysts. So that was my that you know I learned a lot through that, and I also got to work a lot with the senior management of some of the biggest companies in the world. So they would ask me questions about you know what the investors were expecting, what the problems were, and uh, yeah. So that's that's how I that's my that's the grounding that I got on the uh, on the stockbroking side. Brilliant. Yeah. So I mean that's that was certainly. It was very good. It was a sharp learning curve. And uh, I, I, I don't know if you've ever watched um, Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I have, yeah. Yeah, it's not like that. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, right, my, my stuff was, um, you know, what I was, I was responsible for institutional, um, institutional sales. Yeah. Um, so that meant I was talking to places like Capital, Fidelity, uh, and a number of different sort of hedge funds and things like that. Yeah. And the problem is... Is if you make um, if you make a mistake, you can't like Leonardo DiCaprio did, yeah. just go down the list and and just you know call someone else. If I lost right. someone, then um, then that would mean no commission for you know they'd cut me off, and if yeah. I got no commission, I had no job. So wow. everything right. I did had to to have a conclusion. So it's, right. it's so the way I just as an you know the way I write, I always have to come to a conclusion because that's how that's how I'm you know was taught to to do this because um yeah you know that's that you, you've got to have some sort of commercial outcome it's not enough to just go i know this 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 and this you've got to actually go well okay well what, what do i actually do with it um, okay. but anyway that's the bit of my background on the stockbroking side the other side is recruitment um so my first job out of uni was um was um at a multinational japanese company so i was one of a team of three that helped to build it from five people to 550 people in the space of 18 months so that was quite an interesting introduction uh, into interviewing <laughs> um and then um and I, I have also worked as a headhunter at four different uh, recruitment agencies all in finance but mainly in investment banking related um uh, recruitment where i've recruited people right from the uh, entry end from sort of 35 40 grand right through to people who are heads of sales trading um, re research, um, corporate M and A. Yeah, those people are on hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds. So that's my kind of overall career. A few years ago, uh, I started my own business called Sehar Consulting, um, which uh, I try to use my experience to help people get the right jobs. Probably more of a focus on finance, given that's my background. Oh. And as a result of that, I wanted to give them something to help them to prepare for interviews. And that's how Watson's Daily came about, because I was finding as a headhunter, there were there were lots of people who were looking, who looked really sharp on, on paper, great grades, nice university, you know, all that kind of thing. And then I met them in person. And then I was asking them say a basic question on the market and they had absolutely no idea and this right. isn't this isn't people um who who maybe have done you know some sort of random um a degree this is people who've done economics and things as well which i was really shocked about because i was thinking what have you done for the last few years i mean it really was quite bad 
not all the time, but I was amazed at the number of people that I met that didn't have it. So it was in a way sort of born of frustration that people shouldn't have that lack of knowledge. And also, I, I just wanted to be able to help them. So that's why I started doing Watson's Daily, because I thought that it would help people um, prepare for their interviews. That's how it started anyway. Fantastic. Well, I think it's great that you've got experience from both the stock, stockbroking and from the actual recruitment side as well. So it gives you a really great insight into what recruiters are exactly looking for in, in these types of industries. Going back to um, the, the stockbroking side, I mean, that's yeah. quite an interesting career um, for someone who studied law to go into at, at university. You know, when, when they graduated, was going into stockbroking something that, um, that you'd considered whilst at university? I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of our listeners who might be looking at careers outside of law do you have any advice for those people who might not know where to start when it when it comes to looking into stockbroking as a career okay well firstly i had no designs to go into the city um as a you know as a stockbroker and the reason for that is because i came from a council estate uh background and i knew no one who worked in the city and uh it was just I just thought it was out of reach. I thought that you had to be Oxbridge and anything other than A's was not acceptable. And I just, I just didn't even bother because I just thought there's no one would have me. So that's, that's the, that's the, you know, that's the first thing. Actually, and, and the way that I got in was because someone that I, uh, that was on my course, um, yeah. they had become a stockbroker and then they were getting sent to Japan. And they, uh, this guy, you know, he phoned me up and he said, look, they want someone to replace me in London, um, someone to uh, do stockbroking to Japanese financial institutions. They asked me for a recommendation. I recommended you, hope that's okay. Uh, to which I said, well, I know nothing uh, about about economics. I don't read the newspapers that much. Right. But yeah, sounds great. <laughs> and, um, and I was really, really fortunate that uh, I mean, and again, I didn't know, but this it was one of the best known um, uh, British stockbrokers around. You know, I I got really amazing training, and I was surrounded by some amazing people. So that was so that was how I got in. In right. terms of in terms of is it an unusual thing to do? You know, is laws useful, etc. I think law is an excellent degree, um, and that's not just a biased thing to say. I mm -hmm. I do think that that it has a lot of transferable skills because what you're doing is you're you're learning vast quantities of information and then applying them to real situations yeah. and um that's exactly what you do in law and you apply that you, you know instead of law and cases you're then applying it to stocks and clients you know whether what the what do the clients want you know are they are they long term are they short term what do they do, are they thematic in their approach all that kind of thing so you, if you understand what the client wants and you have as it's as it were the, the raw material in terms of the knowledge and the and and the research and access to companies etc you're applying your raw knowledge to what they want so it's very, very similar to law. So if you're doing law and you think, oh, I don't know if I can do, you know, go into that. Actually, no, that's that's wrong. And it, it's very transferable. And the other thing as well is that I think a lot of people, a lot of employers, they certainly say that they want to have people from a more diverse kind of background, whether that be socioeconomic or 
from a from a sort of expertise point of view. The only thing, though, that I would say as a caveat is the thing that people find it hard to do if they've come from a non-economic background is to show their motivation. Because it's easy if you're if you're doing economics and they say why do you want to be a stockbroker or why do you want to do investment banking it's quite easy you say oh you know when I well I've always been interested that's why I did economics and then when I was doing economics I did this this and this but when you're not coming from an economics background it is harder you know you can't just say things and I have heard people say this by the way I saw Wolf of Wall Street thought that was great and then I decided to do it or you know or some other similar film or I read a book and I thought that was great it's got to go beyond that you've got to show a real interest and there are ways of doing it so you know I can tell you about that later but I'm just saying before I forget that that is you know if you do come from a non-economics background it is absolutely possible to get into the world of investment banking etc but you've just got to go that extra mile to show your motivation right uh, yeah i think that's i think that's fair and it's probably quite similar for people who um doing degrees um that aren't law and and you know need to equally show that they're motivated to to a legal career so i, yeah. I guess that, that works in the same way um, but are there, so are there any websites or, or anything that that students can maybe look at to get a bit more of an of an idea? An idea in terms of what in commercial awareness or, or general knowledge of the oh, industry? Yeah, just general knowledge of the industry. Okay, well, I tell you what, actually, I'm not sure about websites particularly because okay. um, often I know this sounds maybe slightly controversial, but I do think that main, mainly websites are very um, sanitised versions of the truth and often a bit wishy-washy as well. They're not really, you know, and also they tend not to be updated that often. So I would, I mean, you can and, and say something like maybe e-financial careers, um, they do some relatively interesting stuff. But again, you know, take with a pinch of salt. I think, to be honest, the best resource, and I don't know this guy, but there's a book by Chris Stokes which talks okay. about the city, yeah. and that's very in, that is very good. I think for yeah, someone for someone who doesn't know how the city works, that is probably the best book I have seen, and the best resource I have seen to give you not an overview, but you know how the how each bit works with the other it's it's very interesting so i definitely i would recommend that like i said i've got no affiliate stuff i don't know i've never met the guy but i think that that is also that's another good you know that is a good resource brilliant okay so going back to the um commercial awareness um side of things can you for anyone who hasn't yet come across your work can you tell us a bit more about what Watson's daily yeah, sure. Um, so um, what happens? So the idea of Watson's Daily is to try to give you in the most efficient and a digestible way the essence of the business news of the day. Now, in order to do this, um, I get up at four, I start reading the newspapers wow. at quarter past four, and I come up with what I think are the most important um, business news, financial markets news. And then I, I tell you where they come from. So I give you the source. I give you a synopsis of the story. And then I tell you why it's important. And the idea is that this can be read within, say, five to ten minutes. And the again, the idea of this, which I think is different to other, any other newsletter, is specifically designed to help you remember what you read. Because the problem is, 
Um, there's a lot of information out there. And I think that quite often you may read, if you read a newspaper and someone then asks you what you've just read, I, I would argue that many people will be unable to remember it all. And so that's what I'm trying to do is to try to write it in a way that you remember it by grouping the information together, but also giving you a view as to how it fits in within the rest of the world. So it might be, let's say it's supermarkets. So I might be talking about supermarkets and how well Tesco is doing versus how Amazon is doing in groceries versus what's happening in Kroger in America or Walmart or, you know, that kind of thing. So the idea is to try to, because I think every, you know, there's obviously globalization, everything's globalized these days. And I think that it's, it's you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't have a global perspective and i think that helping to put certain put the news into a global context actually gives you a framework and it helps you to retain the information that you read that's absolutely brilliant i can you know vouch for watson's daily having like i said at the beginning i've read it pretty much every day since since last summer and i just think it's really brilliant for how it gives you everything you need to know in like a briefing and with that added opinion I just, it's just unlike anything that I've really come across before well that's that's very kind thank you very much I mean I think that you know and what I try to do as well so you can actually you can get it for free you you know you just sign up and you put in your details and you get a username and password and stuff and you can get it for free and then the free version you'll get that and you'll get you can do the the quiz the weekly quiz again that is designed to try to help you retain the key information from that week and yeah. it's supposed to be able to do it in a painless way and what i'm trying to do is if you know there're 20 questions and the idea is you know what you should do is don't just do it once is you should try to do it until you get 20 out of 20 and then every now and again just revisit you know if you can because that will help you to retain some key information you know if you want to go beyond that and you're serious about uh improving your commercial awareness then you there's a there's a pay option which is only two pounds 99 per month and what you get with that is you get um, you can have the app. That's that's one thing. So I've got the app on on Apple or Google. Uh, but you also get the so you can see the see the app on your phone or mobile device. Um, but you can also see the weekly, the monthly, and the yearly. And they are again they're designed to work with each other to help you get that um, that framework of knowledge quickly and also have something to say as well. So they all work together in order to save you time and to give you more understanding. Brilliant. So what we'll do is link the, um, the website details uh, in the show notes, but do you want to just tell us where we can find... What, all, yeah. all those? Um, yeah, so you just go to watsonsdaily.com is, is the website. And then you'll see, um, you'll see on there, on along the top, there'll be a subscribe button, and then you can go and, and have a look at that. Um, and then, obviously, you can go if you if you want to go straight in on the uh, on the app front, and you'll get when you get the app, you get access, you get access to everything. You can go get that on the uh, the App Store and Google Play. Brilliant. Um. So, commercial awareness. I mean, it's kind of one of those buzzwords that's that's thrown around, but sometimes it's hard to kind of define. I don't know if you've sort of come across that before, but um, is it just knowing what the news is or, or, you know, what exactly is it? What are employers looking for in candidates? 
It goes beyond knowing the basic facts. Um, I think commercial awareness is all about not only knowing the basic facts, but how to to um, put them together to put companies and industries and things in a global context. And I think that um, it's also a part of the commercial awareness is also the ability to know how companies actually work. And to know how they work, you have to know how they make money. And that's a real that's a really key strand of understanding what's important with regards to commercial awareness. And what advice would you kind of give someone who wants to increase their commercial awareness but but do, you know might not have that much time to spend? Um, do you think you can build a good level of commercial awareness in like ten to twenty minutes a day, or do you think there's more you know more time investment needed? I think that you can certainly get a, a, a good degree of that, and I think that a, a good degree of awareness. Um, I do think that you need to do it every day. It's not enough just to rely on uh, doing it once a week, once a month, or as many people do the night before uh, an interview. It's definitely worth doing a bit every day. I think that you need to try to know your sources, right? You know, get and have some proper sources. You know, I mean, I'm. I'm obviously um, old school in the sense that I think that uh, newspapers are the best source of publicly available information. Because uh, obviously, when I was a broker, I, I got some really amazing access to amazing information. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to use information that everyone can, can access. And I think that I like newspapers because they are, you know, there's an accountability, there's a quality control. And I just think that, um, you know, you know what you're getting with them. Whereas I do think that I know that a lot of people rely on um, social media for their, you know, Instagram, etc. for for their news. And I just don't think it's enough. You need to go a bit deeper. So obviously, I, I recommend Watson's Daily because you're getting the essence of at least five different international broadsheets, you know, in a in a very compact way. And I think that if you if you do that, then you know that helps you. But if you don't want to use um, Watson's Daily, then obviously you can use other things. Have heard other people say, oh, use Google Alerts and stuff. But actually, I I'm not a big fan of that particular thing because um, I think that it's it's not exact enough and quite often you get random information from weird sources um some people say you know bbc and 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 that's okay i think the bbc is good the only thing i would say about that is i don't think that it goes into enough depth or it doesn't have that commercial angle often sometimes it does but often it doesn't and i think that you know you need if you do use any of those sources you certainly need to back them up with something else fantastic I mean, you mentioned reading the news every day. I mean, that's something that I know when I started, I found quite difficult right. because, you know, I think forming, forming habits isn't, isn't always kind of easy. But do you, I mean, do you have any advice for how to kind of work this into your daily life or? Yeah, I mean. Well, actually, I, I coached someone um, to, and they got into the final of the commercial awareness competition. Right. And what they said they did was read the FT on the way in, uh, on the way into university, and then read Watson's Daily on the way back, right. and said that the you know the FT was uh, you know good grounding, and then the um, Watson's Daily was a good way of understanding what the important bits were and why they were important i think that that's one way i think everyone finds it 
you know they find their own uh, they find their own way so yeah that's 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 one i think there are some good podcasts out there that you could listen to i must say i because i read so much i you know do my own stuff really but um but yeah that's another way some people find that's an efficient way because you can you can kind of multitask you can go well <laughs> when we're when we're free from the lockdown you know we can we can walk around uh uh, you know do things eat breakfast or whatever listening to a podcast and that's that's a good thing to do but yeah you know there are various ways and I guess you've got to I think the first thing is you've got to think about what can you fit in and then you've got to then look at the sources that can fit into that brilliant yeah I think that's really good advice to try to try and utilize your time like if you're on the train then perhaps spend your time reading but if you're being active you can always listen to a podcast so I think that's that's really good advice to try and weave it into your everyday life. So I've previously heard um, that it's sufficient to have kind of general knowledge about what's going on in the commercial world, but then just to follow one or two stories closely and become like an expert in those two stories. Do you think that's a good strategy? No, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's a terrible strategy. Okay. It might, I think it might work, but. You know, I think that you are setting yourself up for disaster if you do that. It's a bit like, I guess, if you're learning for, I don't know, criminal law exam or something, and you've got 10 subjects, uh, you know, 10 areas, and then you think, do you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm just going to revise two and then just wing it on the rest. I mean, you may be really lucky, and it may well be that those two areas come up. But, you know, likelihood is they're not. And um, and in fact, neither of them could come up. So I think you are setting yourself up for a, for a massive fall if you take yeah. that approach. I think that, again, I reiterate that whatever you do, whatever sources you do, you need to do this every day. It really is painless. It really is painless. And you can do it. I mean, actually... I could tell you, do you want uh, my quick guide as to how to read the FT in less than 10 minutes? Yes. Right. Okay. So let's imagine that you've got a a hard copy, right, of the FT in front of you. So you have the main section and then um, you unfold it and then you have the companies and markets section. Yeah. If you have not got time, this is the way you do it, right? Because I remember when when I first started in broking, I had to read the FT by the time I got to my desk in the morning. And I started like everyone else thinking, oh, my God, I have to read this thing from cover to cover. How do they do it? And I I actually was getting pretty stressed about it until I was shown how to do this. Right. So anyway, so first thing is you get the you get the main section, you read the front page of the main section. Then you read the back page of the main section, which usually has something called the Lex column. The Lex column is absolutely key. Right. I mean, in in fact, it's so key. If you don't read anything else in the FT, just read the Lex column. Right. right? Because that's what all the sort of captains of industry read. Um, So all your chief execs and everything, they will read that. Um, And as a result, pretty much all of the city will read that. Right. So that's anyway. Then you go on to the companies and markets section. And on the front, you'll see lots of little snippets of what what's inside. So you'll see some main stories on the front and then surrounding it you'll see a load of short paragraphs and then it will tell you you know if you want to know more then read this page etc and that's what you do the thing is is if you do read it like that you're reading it in a targeted fashion so um it means that you will spend less time faffing looking at other different bits which is what you would do if you're reading a newspaper normally 
Right. Um, and I think that it's a very, if you read it like that, you'll read it much more quickly and you'll retain it much more quickly. And actually, in addition to that, I would also say, if you possibly can, I'd say the best thing is to read your newspapers online because, again, you can reduce the faff. You can filter stuff out. Whereas with a hard copy, you get distracted a lot more easily. Yeah, of course. That's yeah, that's really great advice. And you said you're you're doing a video on. How yeah, to... I'm not sure which where to go. I, I might I might put it on Instagram. Uh, okay. And uh, yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's quite. There's a there's definitely um, there's definitely a knack to it because wow. everyone starts everyone starts trying to read the whole thing, and it just if you've got a few hours to do it, then then great. But even then, I think the FT is an excellent newspaper. And it's so, it's so, but it's so densely written that I think that people find it quite hard to digest initially, especially if you don't come from, from an economic background. But even those from an economic background, it's still not, you know, it's not a relaxing read. No, I think it kind of intimidates me a little bit. But I'm going to now that you've made it sound a lot more accessible. I'm thinking about actually getting myself a subscription. So there you go. You should definitely do. Although it is, it is incredibly expensive. Yeah, that's it's it. very yeah. expensive. You know, it's it's definitely. I think. Well, I was going to say it's worth it. It sort mm. of is. It is. It is if that's what you're into. And yeah. it, and I would definitely recommend it if you can get like a, especially if you can get a student discount or something yeah. like that. Then absolutely yeah. go for it. But it is, but it is, it is quite pricey. So, but if you can, definitely, absolutely um, recommend it. Brilliant. Okay, so um, just going back to uh, like interviews, really. Um, yeah. Are there any topics that you think that applicants should avoid kind of bringing up? I mean, I personally was asked in an interview last summer. Um, just quite a bold question about what news story I've been following. Um, and I mean, I won't tell you what I mentioned, but thinking about topics that we should avoid mentioning, do you think there are any like Brexit that we should, you know, we should avoid or or do you think um, that would be a good topic to mention? I think that um, I personally would try to avoid Brexit if at all possible. Yeah. Um, the reason being that it be- brings out a lot of emotions in people. Um, And, you you know, you don't know people's personal circumstances. You know, for instance, you you might be sitting across from an interviewer, you know, who's married to someone uh, from from, uh, Europe and they're facing real problems with regard to Brexit and, you know, their own sort of family problems, etc. So it can be a bit tricky if you if you do it but if you do do it you've got to do it from a a position of trying to think of a of a balanced argument um and thinking of you know really thinking about it rather than just being a bit flippant and i mean some people do i mean unfortunately i do feel that a lot of people with regard to brexit tend to try to oversimplify it and and basically say anyone that anyone who voted remain is enlightened and anyone who voted leave is racist i mean it's yeah. just not like that i mean there are so many people at various ends of the spectrum and there are a lot of people who who would like to remain who wanted to remain but felt that there was there was not really much on the table and therefore they had to vote for leave so you know so i think brexit if you can avoid i'd say you you probably want to avoid brexit and actually 
at the moment, I would say Brexit is the last thing on, on people's minds. Um, and, and, you know, obviously coronavirus is on people's minds. If you are lucky enough to be able to still go to an interview or have some kind of interview at the moment, uh, yeah. you definitely do need to think about coronavirus and the implication. I mean, if you're interviewing with, say, a law firm, you definitely need to find out who, where their main areas are of expertise. And then, ideally think of what kind of clients they have. So let's say you're uh, interviewing with a law firm that has maybe lots of supermarkets as, as, as their client. You could, you could maybe talk about supermarkets in relation to the coronavirus. So you could say that, um, say, for instance, the incumbents, um, Sainsbury's, Tesco's, uh, etc., are actually doing pretty well because their, you know, their trading levels are, are going through the roof. Um, they're, they're recruiting like crazy and they're doing pretty particularly well because of the delivery capability that they've built up over the years, which contrasts with let's say Aldi and Lidl because although they've been doing really well and well taking market share from everyone else over the last few years they don't have the same delivery capability and as a result they've probably not done quite as well as they might have done had they had that delivery capacity so that's so as an example you know, mm-hmm. if you're talking to a law firm and they happen to have, say, um, supermarkets as their big clients, that may be a commercially aware way of thinking about things. Um, so, you know, you need to know um, where your uh, interviewers are coming from, and you, but you also need to um, have an opinion on, on things and be able to back it up. Because yeah. I believe that a lot of people in interviews, and I have heard this said in commercial awareness competitions, is that they tend to fold pretty quickly after one or two questions because they right. might know the first thing, but then if you ask a little bit more and dig a bit deeper, then the the, um, the arguments start falling apart. Right. So you just mentioned opinion, and, and that kind of brings me on to my next point, really. Um, when you say an, express an opinion, what exactly are recruiters looking for? What kind of opinions? I think you need to have be able to form an opinion on something and be able to back it up i believe that there are different levels of commercial awareness so you've got sort of low level of commercial awareness which is knowing the basic facts and maybe having a sort of an opinion a medium level where you have a better knowledge of the basic facts but then you tend to think only about the company itself and what implications it might have there but then what you are aiming for is to have a high level of commercial awareness where you know the basic facts but you can also are you can you look at the way um those circumstances or whatever affect the individual company but also the industry the geography and how that fits in a global context you know that's the kind of thing you're aiming at and so in an interview context if they're asking you about something you need to first of all acknowledge what that is and display your knowledge of of what that subject is and then in an ideal situation you can then argue your you can say and i and i think this is going to happen and, and then you then are able to back that up now you know the thing the, the thing is 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 that very rarely are things definitely you know, in black and white and right and right or wrong i think it's human nature for people to want a definite answer to something so are the supermarkets going to be around in one year or you know that kind of thing yes or no 
you know there's there's shades of gray about everything and you need you need to be able to think about the opposite point the opposing points of view as well again i think that's very similar to law this is why law is applicable to working um in the city because you know when you're making these kinds of arguments you need to a- appreciate what the opposite arguments are in order for you to make a better argument yourself um right. and so yeah within the interview context they want to know you know your, what your opinions are can you reach a conclusion and can you back that up i would right. say you know some interviewers get quite aggressive about it you know they really want to press your buttons and they want to you know, they say well i don't i don't agree with you on that you know, what do you think about this and just to see how you will how you would react the other interviewers will be much nicer and will just you know nod and maybe add a few bits and pieces here and there but i think you need to you know if you if you if you are truly well prepared um you should be able to argue either side of an argument but you need to come to a conclusion brilliant that's that's really helpful advice like just something that always kind of i've always sort of worried about is the whole opinion side of it but i think now that you've explained it it sounds a lot more simple than no not at all i mean that's the thing you know most people really over time will realize that there's very there's often there is not a right or a wrong answer yeah you know sometimes there is a right answer in in certain circumstances but then the circumstances can change for instance with coronavirus and totally turn things on their head let's say an example here would be a good example i guess a recent one would be we work okay so you know in a booming economy you've got you know you've got um, real estate prices going up you've got office rents going up employment going up you know everything's looking good and we works model worked really well because they were you know they were using debt to buy loads or other people's money to buy buy up big spaces and you know companies that maybe wanted to expand but maybe not buy another building would yeah. would use WeWork's uh, spaces etc and they were doing very well but then the wheels started falling off a bit because the the um the founder got a bit bizarre uh, and was employing his family members and stuff as uh, as senior execs and it all started going a bit wrong and then coronavirus happened and suddenly loads of people especially the small and mid you know the SMEs that um are, are tenants in these places and and the big companies as well but SMEs they're going to be absolutely decimated so you know they're all on short term rents or mostly on short term rents they're all going to suddenly be abandoning and you saw that the other day that SoftBank decided not to put some money in into yeah, rework and suddenly you've got a company that was doing really well and that there was sort of slightly going off the boil and then the circumstances changed and it is just completely changed everything so yeah. you know there's stuff like that i think you know if you can look at these things you know in a global context and then put these little facts together that really really helps you and and i think it gives you confidence going into the interview as well you know you're not going in there thinking oh um, I hope they don't ask this, or I hope they don't ask that. You're going in thinking, right? You know, bring it on. Let's see. Let's see what they have to ask. And I think if you go in with that kind of attitude, although you don't want to go over, you don't want to bang the table and sort of shout in their faces, um, that sort of thing. You, you know, you feel certainly feel more confident and hopefully able to do a better job. Definitely. I guess my last question really is perhaps we've covered it elsewhere, but are there any other points that you think um, that candidates should kind of keep in mind um, about how to stand out from a commercial awareness perspective in an interview? 
So any other golden nuggets that you have? <laughs> All I would say is if you concentrate on improving your commercial awareness, and like we have said, you know, this is not rocket science, okay? You can do – everyone can do this. It's just a question – of doing it regularly and putting regular time aside. If you do this, I guarantee that you will put yourself in at least the top 10% of any intake, right? Because the thing is, is that most places will assume a not a certain level of knowledge um, that yeah. you that you will have from your degree or and or what you've done, your work experiences and all that kind of thing. However, you know, this is the thing that can commercial awareness in itself is the thing that can put you ahead. And only, you know, like, say, for instance, I'm doing Watson's Daily. I do loads of stuff to try and help people to understand and remember. But I can't do I can't do the reading for you. I mean, I've done as much as I can and I've digested as much as I can and I've put down. Yeah, and I've done as much as I can. Right. But at the end of the day, if you don't read it, it's not going to go in by osmosis, right? So you've got to put the time in. If you put the time in, you will be amazed at how much you learn. Really, you really will. And actually, one funny thing I've heard from people that have read um, Watson's Daily, is they, someone said that, oh, yeah, I, I was at this dinner party and someone brought up, you know, whatever subject it was. And then he said, oh, and I just came out with all this stuff and, and everyone was really <laughs> amazed. And, they, and then I thought about it afterwards. I thought, where did all that come from? You know, she said it's because you because I read Watson's Daily and it, it just goes in. I mean, that's to me that's the nicest compliment because it that's exactly what I want. I want this to to go into your head without you actually realizing it, so right, that actually yeah. it comes out and it's all natural. You know, that's the whole idea. So, um, so yeah. Well, thank you. We've mentioned that we can find your work on watsonsdaily.com and also on the App Store. Yep. But also you have a podcast of your own, don't you? That's right. Yes, I do. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so that uh, comes out on a, a Friday morning. So what happens with that is I tend to pretty much write and think about it on the Thursday night. But then I look at what's going on on the Friday morning because sometimes, especially now, (laughs) because I I was actually writing it on the Thursday night and then recording it on Thursday night, but things are happening so quickly at the moment that actually I thought, you know what, I'm missing out on Friday. (laughs) So um, I'm I'm altering it just before I I publish it on Friday morning. But the other other thing as well is, if anyone's interested, is that I do a, a Zoom call and uh, just just to let you know, I'm not jumping on the Zoom bandwagon because you know <laughs> I was doing it before. <laughs> but the but the Zoom call, the idea of the, I do a Zoom call on the Thursday night, and the idea is I I go through uh, I walk through a, a few of the key um, areas and things that I've seen, uh, and I comment on those probably for about the first fifteen ish minutes, and then after that I open it up. You know, you can ask me anything you want. Um, Obviously, that's a very dangerous thing to say, um, but the idea is, I—it's just to try to give you an opportunity to, for you know, I can, I can help, hopefully, explain why you know certain things, or you can ask me opinions on anything, and it just gives you an opportunity to to ask stuff, really. Brilliant. So, well, I think that that has come to the the end of the um, the interview. So, thank you so much for your time today, Peter. The, your knowledge has. It's just absolutely brilliant and um thank you so much for spending your morning um sharing it with us no no problem at all it's you know i i, I want to help people so uh, i hope i hope this does help people 
No, it really does. And I think all the time that you spend really on Watson's Daily and, you know, the app and, and the podcast and, and the quiz, and I, I just think it's really inspiring. Um, and, you know, we're kind of really lucky to to have access to this resource and something that does actually make, you know, commercial awareness uh, a lot more painless than I think it could be otherwise. Yes. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Because it, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, it's tough to know where to start. That's the... That's the problem. There's so much information out there, you just don't know where to start. So uh, hopefully this this helps people. Thank you. I'm, I'm sure it will. So but best of luck with everything. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcasts, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review to let us know what you thought. If you'd like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. Hello.